Man, I'll tell you what, I like that song. That was good, wasn't it? You know, I don't know if they, if they plan that. I'm, it's going to go along with what I'm speaking this morning. Um, and I'll tell you what, if, let's start here. If you want to take your Bibles and open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to verse 7. And I've had a lot on my mind this last couple of weeks um, since coming back from Puerto Rico. And um, I saw some things there that I hadn't really seen before. Um, I'll, I'll talk about it in a second. Let me start with this. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment, or the King James says a sound mind. And I, I want to talk about this a little bit this morning. You know, fear is a funny thing, isn't it? Um, it's a strange thing. My, my kids, um, they, they get scared of bugs. I don't know if any of you are like that. My kids, my kids get terrified of bugs. When there's a bug in the house, it's, it's, it's crazy, the level of, of fear in my kids. One time we found a, we, they found a bug in the house up in one of their bedrooms. They, nobody's slept in that bedroom since. It's been months. Nobody's going in that thing because there, there was a bug in there, right? Most of my kids are like that. I got one kid who's three who doesn't, nothing bothers him. And we, there was a dead squirrel. I think I told you this before. There was a dead squirrel on the porch. He wanted to step on it. He's okay. He wants to step on everything. The rest of them, are, they're a little afraid. So I came home from Puerto Rico a couple weeks ago on this missions trip. I got home. I hadn't even seen the kids yet. I got in late. I think it was Thursday night. I got in late. And um, Friday morning, I'm up early. I'm getting my coffee and stuff. And I hear the kids start running around. And I think, oh, they're excited to see me, you know. And they came downstairs. They came downstairs. I thought, oh, isn't that sweet? They're up early because they knew dad was coming home and they wanted to come down and see me. They didn't say hi. They didn't say, we missed you. There was none of that stuff. They said, there's a bug upstairs. And, and so I, I said, okay, I'll go take care of it. I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't really happy with that greeting, but I, I said, okay, I'll take care of it. So I went, I went up the stairs, and they, they said, it's a huge bug. We've never seen a bug this big. And I thought, okay. You know, when you're, when you're this big, it's, that's relative, you know. A big bug is relative. Little, to me, it's little. So anyway, I, I say, okay. And, and I said, I go up the stair. Where's the bug? It's right there. And I look, and it's on, the, it's on the back side of the door frame, but I can still see it. Hanging down over the door is the, it's, it, what they think is the biggest bug they've ever seen. And it's big, and it's hairy, and it's got two little pointy ears sticking off the top of his head. I said, that's not a bug, it's a bat. And I thought, I thought they are never going to go anywhere near their bedrooms again. There's been a bat flying around. Well, well the, the bug was scary, but the bat they were fine with. They, they, wanted, they wanted to keep it. I said, we're not keeping the bat. We got rid of the bat. Hopefully he doesn't come back, you know. And they, they didn't seem very scared, so I told him, it's a good thing you didn't see him at night when he's in his human form and he'll bite you in the night. No, I didn't, I didn't tell him that. I didn't tell him that. <laughs> I thought they should have been more scared. Um, so anyway, I was in, but I was thinking about this, this, this fear thing. Is that we were in Puerto Rico um, 
and we saw a lot of stuff I, I'd never, I've never seen before. I mean, if you can imagine, and we shared about this last week, but if you can imagine um, every day your house shaking, every day the ground shakes, and sometimes three, four, five, 15 times a day. And I, I met people who they had their houses on the ground. I mean, they, they said, we got out with our lives. Thank God we were, were alive. And, you know, my house, I talked to a guy. He said, I had a $200,000 house. It's on the ground. I've got nothing, but I, I'm alive. And he's, he was thankful for that. But imagine being in that kind of a situation. So I, I talked to some people. I talked to a, a woman. Her, um, it was actually the wife of the, the pastor that we were working with the very last day. And she said, I, I'm scared at night. She said, I don't, we don't sleep. She said, nobody here, we don't sleep at night anymore because when we go to bed, we know at some point the ground's gonna shake and we gotta jump up out of bed and run out of the house. She said, I sleep with my shoes on. And the pastor said, I, I, said, I don't do that. I don't do that anymore. She said, well, you used to when it started. It's been a month every day for a month, shaking, shaking, shaking. And I was thinking about this because most of the people that we met had a lot of fear. You know, and this isn't, this isn't to condemn anybody. I, it would be a hard thing to live in, wouldn't it? It'd be, it'd be very, very hard. But um, there was a lot of fear in that place. And it got me, it got me just thinking about this, about this thing. You know, fear is a controlling thing, isn't it? It controls people's lives. It tells people how to live. It tells us what to do, what to say, how to, how to act, that kind of stuff. But imagine sleeping with your shoes on. Now listen, maybe your house isn't shaking. Maybe your ground's not shaking, but maybe there's something that feels like it's shaking in your life. Maybe your, maybe your family feels like it's shaking. Maybe your job feels like it. Maybe your finances feels like it's shaking. Maybe your health feels like it's shaking. Something in your life might feel like it's shaking at some point. Or maybe not today. Maybe tomorrow you get up and something's going to be shaking. I want you to know something this morning. Just because the world is shaking doesn't mean you have to. Just because things in your life are shaking doesn't mean you have to. See, we don't, we don't, live, we don't live our lives the same way the world lives. I've been, I've been talking about something, the, the chances I've got to speak over the last, I don't know, couple months, about this thing Jesus called abundant life. He said, I've come so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. Listen, you can't have abundant life when you're trapped in fear. And I believe there's a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of Christians around this world that are in fear. Fear over the future, fear over what's gonna happen, fear over the economy, fear over who's gonna be elected in November, fear over this, fear over that. We get this, we get this fear and it's easy to get on you. But I wanna talk this morning about the antidote for fear because fear will speak to you. And listen, fear will tell you, like with my kids, you can't go upstairs anymore. You can't go, in the, you can't go in that room. Fear will talk to you. It doesn't matter if you're a kid. You can be an adult. Fear will talk to you. Fear will tell you what to say. Fear will, fear will keep you from, um, listen, fear will keep you from doing what God's called you to do in this world. God has an assignment for you, and fear will try to stop you. You don't believe me. There's a, there's a story in the Bible the, um, the parable of the talents. And you look at that story sometime. There's three guys, and the first one came back, and he said, here's what you gave me, and I got more. 
So he gave, he, Jesus gave him something, the master gave him something, and he used what he was given. The second one did the same thing. He came back, he said, here's what you gave me, and I got more. The third one came back and he said, I was afraid, so I hid it in the ground. He didn't do, he didn't use what God had given him because of fear. Fear will control you and tell you how to act. Fear will tell you what to do. So instead of listening and being obedient to what the Lord says, we start listening to what fear says. So I want to talk to you about this this morning. Um, and let me start here. We're going to come back to 2 Timothy, but can you put up Genesis chapter 3? We're going to go back to the beginning. I want you to catch this this morning. Fear, see, in, in Genesis 3, you know this story. We were talking about this in our class Wednesday night. Adam and Eve sinned. They ate the fruit. What happened when God shows up? Adam says, because, well, God says, where are you, Adam? But he, where is he? He's hiding, isn't he? He's hiding from God. And what does he say? He says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. What did sin bring? Fear. He was a, now, he had a reason to be afraid. He was naked. You ever had one of those dreams, like you show up to work or someplace, and you don't have your clothes on? So you can relate to Adam. Except for he wasn't, he wasn't going to work. He was meeting with somebody very important. He was meeting with God. And he didn't have any clothes. That's a tough place to be in. He had some fig leaves, but they weren't cutting. They weren't doing the job, apparently. So he said, look, God, I, I can't find my clothes. Who, and what was God's response? Who told you you're naked? Dummy. You're not. Who told you? See, listen. God wanted, this, is, this is, was God's relationship with Adam. Adam only knew what God told him. But sin, when he sinned, it got him looking at himself. So now instead of looking at God and what God's told him, he starts looking at himself and his inadequacies. So sin brings fear because it focuses on you. But faith focuses on God. Faith looks not at ourselves, but what God wants to do, what God can do through us and in us. But fear gets looking at ourselves. Isn't that something? So God, I believe God wants to take us back to a place of abundant life. A place, he wants to take us back to the place where we only know what he tells us. So if he doesn't say it in here, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Because this is what's important in my life. Amen? You guys with me? So look again at this, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness. In the Amplified Bible, it says this, God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear. Listen, God didn't give you fear. You might have it, but he didn't give it to you. You can go, you can go get it. It's not hard to find, is it? You take a few minutes and start thinking about something, you, you can get yourself some fear. It's not hard to find, but it didn't come from God. So don't go blaming him. Listen, you can, have what, you can have what God has to offer you, or you can take what the enemy has to offer you. I remember this, this happened to, uh, to me a few, it was quite a few years ago now. I was in Ocean City uh, Maryland with, uh, with, a, with a guy that was kind of my, my um, spiritual father, my mentor, Dick Sands. I was there with him. We were standing outside the sunspot, and a guy walked up to us, 
and starts asking for, I thought he was asking for directions. He was kind of mumbling. He said, hey, can you tell me where I can? And Dick, Dick said to him, what? Hey, can you tell me where I was, I was looking for the, you know. And Dick, I, I couldn't understand what he was saying. Dick couldn't understand. What, what do you want? And finally, Dick understood him. He was looking for drugs. He thought Dick was a drug dealer. <laughs> and and Dick, Dick looked right at him. If, you, if you've ever met Dick, um, if you ever met him, he was, a, he was a pretty bold guy. He didn't mind telling people things as it was. And so he, he looked at the guy and he said, I'll tell you where you can get some drugs. You want drugs? I'll tell you where you can get them. And the guy got, oh, his eyes got big. Yeah, okay, where can, I, where, where can I find? You can go straight to the devil and get your drugs you can go do your drugs with a devil for all I care. And it, I mean, it was this guy's eye. Oh my goodness. He took a step back. He said, whoa, whoa, I'm, are you a preacher? I'm sorry. I didn't know you're a preacher. He got out of there so quick. I'd never seen anybody run like that. But listen, you can, you can, you can have what God has to offer you, or you can get something from somewhere else. That's where fear comes from. Look at what he says. He calls it something. He calls it a spirit of fear. It's a spirit. Did you, did you understand that? Fear is a spirit. So some people are dealing with this thing called fear in their lives, and it's crippling them, and it's keeping them from fulfilling the call of God that he has for them. It's keeping them from doing what God has planned for them, but they're, they're, because they're crippled by this thing, and they they think, well, I gotta, I gotta try to ration my way out of this. I gotta try to rationalize. You know, I gotta try to figure this thing out with my, with my mind. And, and you know, logically, there's no reason to fear and all this stuff. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. And we get all this stuff in our heads, but you can't deal, deal with a spirit with your mind. You can't overcome a spirit with your mind. How do you overcome a spirit? You overcome it with the authority that Jesus has given you by the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you. That's why he said God didn't give you the spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a sound mind so that you can deal with fear when it try to comes on you. You with me this morning? So I want you to hang with me for a second. Look at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And um, I'm going to talk about this fear thing. Mark chapter 5, look at verse 35, and um, there's a story here about the, a man named Jairus and his daughter and a woman with the issue of blood, and it's kind of a, it, two stories, two incredible stories kind of wrapped into one here, but Jesus, it starts at verse 23, he's, he's, um, He's, it says, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, saw Jesus. He fell at his feet and kept begging him, my little daughter is at death's door. Come lay your hands on her so she'll get well and live. He, so he's begging Jesus. And I want to just say, you don't have to beg Jesus for nothing. You don't have to beg Jesus. When you pray, you're not, you don't have to beg Jesus. He wants to do it. But a lot of us pray and we're begging. That's another sermon for another time. So, he, so Jesus goes with him to heal this daughter. And on the way, there's a woman who kind of interrupts Jesus as, as he's walking. And she, you know the story, she presses through the crowd and she says something, she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'm gonna be healed, right? So she pushes through the crowd 
to get to Jesus. And there's a story here. I don't want to take too much time with it, but she was, if she had an issue of blood, that made her unclean. She shouldn't have been out there pressing through anybody because anybody she touches becomes unclean. She had no business out there pushing people around because every person she came in contact with would be ceremonially unclean. They'd have to go through a ritual purification. I think they'd be unclean at least until evening, maybe for longer than that. And, and she wasn't supposed to be touching anybody. But she went through the crowd, and she's pressing through the crowd because she said something by faith. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Listen, she didn't, this woman, there might have been fear. Sometimes you, 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 you believe something, you speak something just like she did. If I can just touch, if I can just do this, if I, and, and so she has faith in her, but sometimes that fear will try to shut you up on it. And I'll bet you that fear was working overtime. Woman, what are you doing? Why are you, why, what do you think you're doing out here? Someone's going to get you in trouble. You're going to be, but she, she was desperate. So her faith pushed her to go out there and push through that crowd. So she goes through the crowd and she touches the hem of Jesus's garment. I guess that makes him unclean now too, but it, you can't make Jesus unclean. <laughs> she wasn't bothered by it. She, he wasn't bothered by it either. So she touched him and made it. She was, she received her healing. And what does Jesus do? He turns around. He says, who touched my robes? And he's looking around. And she's probably, she's probably like, oh man, I'm going to get it now. You know, She's hiding, but finally she comes up and says what happened. And what does he say to her? Look at verse 34. Daughter, your faith has made you well. He doesn't tell her, woman, the, I, I've said this before, woman, the love of God made you whole. He didn't say that, but the love of God was there. He didn't say, woman, the power of God in the Holy Spirit made you well, but that was there too. But what did he tell her? Woman, your faith made you well. It was her faith that made her press through in spite of fear. And faith will tell you to keep going when fear will tell you to shut up and sit down. Are you with me? Fear will tell, hey, look, fear will tell you, you can't do this thing. God might be speaking something to your spirit, speaking something to your heart and saying, man, you need to, you need to do this. And you think in your, in your mind, that's too big for me. And so what does your mind do? Fear starts taking over and says, no, no, you can't do that. You better get a smaller vision. You better find something smaller because you're not, you're not adequate enough because we're like Adam. We start looking at ourselves. Instead of faith saying, no, I can't, but God can. Amen? So she, she, he says, your faith has made you whole. Now, while all this is happening, here's the story. While, she was, while he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house. Look at verse 35 and said, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? You know, maybe he had some faith up to this point, but now something's happened. And he feels like, man, it's over. The fight's over and I lost. It's done. There's no more reason for faith. Now fear is settling into his heart. But what does Jesus say to him? When Jesus overheard what was said, he immediately says something to him. He immediately attacks the fear in his heart and he says this, don't be afraid, only believe. This is what God wants us to hear. Don't be afraid, only believe. So you can choose something Every day, every moment you go through life, you can choose something. You can choose to be afraid or you can choose to believe. And you got to make the choice. What will I do? Because the enemy will come and offer you fear every time. And that, as soon as you take it, man, that thing will cripple your life. But you can shut it up in one second by saying, I'm not going to receive fear. I'm only going to believe the word of God. Amen.
See, it's natural to be afraid in an impossible situation, isn't it? If you were that father facing that situation, it would be perfectly normal and natural to be afraid. If you were Jairus, you know, it's just natural. It's natural to be afraid when your world's coming apart. It's natural to fear when people are dying left and right from the coronavirus or whatever that thing is called. It's natural to get in fear, but I want to tell you something this morning. You're not natural. You're, hey, you're not normal. You can look at somebody next to you. You have permission. Tell them you're not normal. You're not natural. You are supernatural in this place. If you have Jesus in your heart and you've been filled with the Spirit, you're not a natural person. You're a supernatural person because His Holy Spirit is giving you power to live. Amen? But you're not you're not just, we're, we got to stop living like we're normal people. We're not normal when, when the Holy Spirit's in you. Is the Holy Spirit normal? There's nothing normal about the Holy Spirit. He looks at normal situations and flips them on their head. And that's who lives in you. So stop thinking of yourself like you're just normal. Jesus said you're going to have abundant life. You're going to live abundant life. How can you live abundant life in fear? You can't do it. You don't be afraid of the future. Used to hear that song, I, many things about tomorrow I don't understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. Well, we can sing that, and that's, and that's good too, and I like that song, but, but the Holy Spirit even said, well, Jesus said uh, that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth, and he would reveal to us even what's to come. So you, you can know what's coming tomorrow, because the Holy Spirit will tell you. But see, Jesus, I want, see, this is, this is, I think, our goal. God wants to get us to a place where we live like Jesus did. Did, G, did, God, did, did God have fear in him? No fear in God. Did Jesus have fear? Was he afraid of anything? I can't think of anything Jesus was afraid of. Was he afraid of sickness? He touched lepers, right? He wasn't afraid of getting leprosy. I've prayed for some people now I, I honestly, I prayed for a guy in Africa once and he came up on the stage and said, would you pray for my foot? I thought, and I promise you, I'm not lying. I thought he was wearing a slipper. It was one of, you know, you ever seen these slippers that are like the big furry things? Uh, his foot looked like a slipper. It looked like a big purple furry slipper. And I thought, is he going to take it off? He wasn't wearing a slipper. I don't know what it was, but we prayed for him and touched him, touched his foot. Jesus wasn't afraid to touch people. He wasn't afraid what would get, the, the thing would get on him. He was going to put him on that thing, you know? So he, he spit on people, and they'd be healed. He wasn't worried about getting stuff. Um, he never once worried about his finances, did he? Jesus, that's incredible. Jesus never once worried about finances. You know why? Because he wasn't serving finances. He was, a, he was serving a God who took care of his finances, and he had some faith. Storms didn't bother him when things started shaking. I used this, I told this story the other day when we were in Puerto Rico. There was a, a story, you guys have heard it, right? Um, Smith Wigglesworth. He's in his house one night, he's asleep, and his house starts shaking. And he, it sounds like there's a horrible storm outside. So he gets up, he out, out of bed, goes to the front door and opens the door. And it's just as calm and as peaceful as anything he's ever seen. He thought, that's a strange thing. The house was just shaking. And so he went back to bed, and the house starts shaking again. 
He thought, what in the world is going on? He, he gets up and he starts to go to the front door again, and he sees there, this time in the living room, sitting in a chair is the devil. And he looks at the devil and he says, oh, it's just you. And he goes back to bed. Why, could, why would he act like that? Because he wasn't afraid of the devil. Jesus wasn't afraid of the devil. Why are you? Why are you afraid of what? Oh, no, the devil's been after me. No, shut up. Jesus didn't talk like that. The devil's after me. No, stop it. You better get after the devil now if he's after you. Bible says, doesn't the Bible say he'll, the enemy will come at you one way, but he's going to flee seven? Why don't you start acting like that? You get after the, you get after the devil. So you got something on your life. You got a call of God on your life. The enemy's been throwing fear at people, trying to get them to shut up. I, I got I to gotta talk this morning. Um, go, to, go to Matthew 6 and look at verse 31. You got you to gotta learn how to close the door to fear in your life. Learn how to close the door on fear. So this is what Jesus did to Jairus. He taught him something. He said, don't be afraid because as soon as that message came, there was a temptation for Jairus to open his mouth and say, I guess it's finished. Before Jairus could speak, Jesus taught him something. Don't be afraid, only believe. What happens if I believe? If I believe it in my heart, I got to do something with my mouth. My mouth has to be in agreement with my heart. I can't believe something in my heart and say, I can't believe my daughter's healed in my heart and say, man, I guess she's dead. I guess there's no hope. I guess it's hopeless. No, shut up mouth because you're not in agreement with what you say you believe. So here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 31. Don't worry saying, or the King James says it like this, take no thought for yourself saying. How do you take a thought? You say it. As soon as you say it, you take it. And you, that means you believe it. When you, when you have a thought come into your head and you say, yeah, I guess that's what happens now. Okay, I'm, I'm bringing my mouth into agreement with what's in my heart. And I'm taking that thought. But Jesus said, don't take any thought for yourself saying. Don't worry saying. And here's what, here's what he tells you not to say. Don't say, what are we going to eat? I guess we don't have any food, guys. I guess it's over. I guess we're all going to starve to death and die. What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Like Adam, poor guy. For, he says, these, the idolaters, all the, the people that don't know God, eagerly seek these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't take thoughts for yourself saying. So Jesus was teaching Jairus, don't start saying something that you don't believe. Don't fear, only believe. I didn't even finish the story. You know the rest of the story, though, don't you? He goes to her house. You, you don't really invite Jesus to funerals because they never, they never go well. Jesus shows up, and they're having a funeral. Everybody's crying, right? He says, no, get out of the house. Get all these people out of here. Why are you guys even crying anyway? She's only sleeping. And what do they do? They laugh at him because people laugh at faith. The natural man will laugh at your faith. Your friends will laugh at your faith. Your family will laugh at your faith. But you don't be deterred. You just believe. And so Jesus walks in and he raises up the little girl. She walks out. I guess everybody thinks, well, maybe she was sleeping. But Jesus was teaching Jairus how to believe, how to have faith. Amen. 
we got we to gotta act the same way. Go back here now, because I'm going to show you. Well, yeah, let's, go, let's do this. 2 Timothy 1.7, put that up on the screen again. Look at it one more time. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, of love, and a sound mind. I want to talk about this this morning, the power, love, and a sound mind. Because this is what you have. I don't want to talk about what you don't have. I want to talk about what you have. Because a lot of, the problem with a lot of people, they don't recognize what they have, so they're not, able to, they're not able to operate in what they have. They don't recognize, look, if I don't know I have any money in my pocket, and I go to the store and I say, oh, man, I'm sorry. I, can't, I wish I could buy that for you guys, but I, I don't have the money. But I never look in my pocket. I don't know what I got. Maybe I got some money in there I forgot about. So you've got something in you that maybe you haven't recognized, but when you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you've got a power, you've got love, you've got a sound mind. And I'm going to talk about how this comes against fear in your life because God has put you on this earth for a purpose. He's put you in the earth. In fact, it says in the Word of God, He chose the time and the place for you to be born. He didn't, he, this isn't random, this didn't happen by accident. There wasn't some big bang and, and you're all just here by accident in this room. God chose for you to be here at this moment in time because he's got a purpose for you to fulfill. He's planned good works in advance so that you can walk in them. But there's a lot of people who aren't walking in them because they don't understand what's in them. So it's keeping them from walking. Amen. Sorry to my translator this morning. I know that was a mouthful. Yeah. Just pause for a second. Um, in Hebrews 2, do you have this, this one? Hebrews 2.14. I'm going I'm to come back to this other one. Hebrews 2.14. Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, he also shared in these so that through his death he might destroy holding the one holding the power of death, that's the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. I want you to know something this morning. Fear is a killer. But you have the antidote. You've got the antidote. Come on, somebody say amen. You've got the antidote. Uh, you know, if someone gets bit by a snake, they've got this thing called anti-venom, right? They take, I guess they, they take the snake and somehow they, I wouldn't want to have that job, getting the venom out of the snake. And from that venom, they can create something that will bring healing to your body. Um, I was watching, I like to watch, well, my, my son, he likes to watch it. Not that I like to watch it, although I do. There's a TV show, what's it called? Wild Kratz, okay? It's a children's TV show, but my son really likes it. And we were watching it one day, and they started talking about mongooses. I always liked the mongoose, because I remember seeing a story when I was young about a mongoose and how it can kill a snake. It can kill cobras, right? And in India, they've got these mongooses that'll kill the cobra, and I, I thought it was because the mongoose was fast, and it was faster, it could outmaneuver the cobra and get behind him and bite him on the neck. But you know that's not actually true. Some of you might know this because maybe you watch Wildcrats. But it wasn't, it wasn't because the mongoose doesn't kill the snake because it's faster, even though it is fast. There's many times, and they've had videos of it, where the snake will grab a hold of the mongoose. The cobra will grab a hold of that mongoose and just clamp down on him. I mean, probably injecting tons of venom into that animal, but it won't kill him. Because what happens is, and, and I am not a scientist, so I'm not going to try to explain it in depth because I can't, but there's molecules in your body. The molecules are shaped a certain way. 
So when the snake bites its victim, it puts venom in there that attaches itself to the molecules. And it tells, what it does is it tells the nerves in your body, it tells all the muscles to relax. And you just, you just relax until you're, all your, even your breathing relaxes, even your heart relaxes and it kills you. But the mongoose has molecules that are shaped differently than humans and other animals. So when the snake bites it, it just slips right off the molecules. It can't attach to the molecules and it can't kill the mongoose. And I love this because, listen, you were born again. You were born again. And when you were born again, you got a new set of DNA. So you've got the DNA of your father in heaven. And when the enemy tries to come against you and bring fear, which causes death, I mean, fear will kill you. Fear is a killer and it wants to destroy you. When the enemy comes and tries to bring that, if you recognize who you are, man, if you recognize what he's done in you, what he's got in you, that fear will just slide off of you. It has no effect on you. And listen, once you can stand and fear is coming at you and it can't hold anything against you, it can't get on you, what's going to happen once the enemy says, man, he's just resisting. He, how's he just resisting? How's it not getting on him? How's it not killing him? How's it not crippling him? What's going to happen when you resist the devil? He's going to do something. He's going to flee from you. That's the, you have victory today when you start standing in faith by what, for what God's done for you. Okay? So look at this now. I want to I talk about this because you've been given a spirit of something. You've been given a spirit of power. You have a spirit of power. I want to talk about your power this morning. You've got the Holy Spirit working in you. It's the dunamis power that's working in you. Look, like, like I said, Jesus wasn't scared of sickness. Why? Because he had power over it. He wasn't scared of poverty because he had power over it. He wasn't scared. Some people get scared to death. Jesus didn't get scared to death because he had power over everything. When you have power over something, it's to you, it's weak. Weak things don't scare you. When, when, if you're walking a dark alley at night and you see at the other end of that alley, there's a man with a knife waiting for you. There's maybe some fear there. Now imagine you're Chuck Norris and you're walking down the alley at night, okay? Muggers aren't, are, well, let's say it this way. Uh, um, Chuck Norris isn't scared of muggers. Muggers are scared of Chuck Norris, right? So you're walking down the aisle and as soon as you come into the light, the muggers say, oh, it's Chuck Norris. He's out of there. He's not, he's not scared, right? Maybe you don't like Chuck Norris jokes. Um, <laughs> The boogeyman checks under his bed for Chuck Norris before he goes to sleep. Um, but it's, it's, the, it's the same for us. When the enemy sees us and he, and he recognizes that we know who we are, he's going to turn around and walk away because you've got power over him. Didn't Jesus say you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you? Did he say that? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Well, why don't we start acting like it? Come on, church. It doesn't matter if the world's shaking because there are times when this world is shaking. There's times when the economy's been shaken and some of us have been in fear. No, it's time to stop and stand up and say, I'm not going to fear. I'm only going to believe because I know who lives in me and I know I've got power over, over everything that the enemy can do. Jesus said it's good that he's going to the Father because if he goes, he'll send the Holy Spirit to live in us. 
Most of us would rather have Jesus here next to us, right? You know, imagine you were the disciples. You've been walking around for three and a half years with Jesus, and he says, no, 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 it's good that I'm going to heaven. And you think, that's not good. That's not good. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't we rather have Jesus right here? Okay, here he is, Jesus, you come preach. Here he is, Jesus, you come heal. Here he is, Jesus, you go, you go do that or this. But Jesus said, no, it's good that I'm going because if I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to live in you, and he's going to give you power to act just like me and do the same things I did and think the same way I think. And, 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 and everything that Jesus did, you can have the same power because the same Holy Spirit lives in you. So he's given you power to live. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Can you throw that up there? Ephesians 1.18. He says... I pray the perception of your mind may be enlightened. How many of you know you need your mind enlightened? If you're going to start, if you're going to start understanding what we're talking about this morning, you need, you need something to happen in your mind. You need to get your mind right. So he says, I pray the perception of your mind may be enlightened so you can know what's the hope of his calling, the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints. And listen to this. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the working of his vast strength, you have immeasurable power in you. What does it mean that it's immeasurable? Now, again, I'm not a scientist, but I think it means you can't measure it. That means that means it's too big to measure. It's too he's we serve a too big God. He does things too big. You know, he 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 put too much in us. He loves us too much. He's got, yeah, he's, he's, he's too much. He's too much for you to handle. You know, think about, I want you to think about this for a second. How much water is in the ocean? You, you, can't, you can't measure that, but science has estimated how much it is. And they estimate 30, 352 quintillion gallons of water in the ocean. I'll be honest, I didn't know what a quintillion was, okay? Some of you could probably tell us, but it's, I looked it up. It's got 18 zeros after it. So 352 with 18 zeros, gallons of water in the ocean. And as big as that is, it may not be able to be measured because it's too much, but they can estimate it. But I want to tell you that what God's put in you is immeasurable. It's, I, want to, I want to go a step further and say you can't even estimate it. It's beyond estimation. Can you estimate God's power? No way. It's more than you could handle. It's more than this world needs. You, think about this for a minute. You have more than the world needs. You can, not only can you meet the needs of the world, you got more. It's not going to leave you. It's not going to leave you broke. You got more. That's good, isn't it? Man, we serve a too much God. So he gives you power. So when the enemy comes against you to try to bring fear, if you've got power over that thing, guess what? You, you don't have to be afraid. But he goes a step further and say he did, because he could have just said, look, God's not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. That would have been sufficient. But we serve a too much God. So he said he didn't just give you a spirit of power. He gave you a spirit of power and a spirit of love. Why does he talk about love? Because what does love do? Perfect love drives out fear, cast out fear. Go, to, go real quick, 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse 18. 
Is this for anybody this morning? You know, it may not be, maybe, maybe today everything's, everything's good. You know, maybe, maybe tomorrow the world, you'll wake up and the whole world's shaking. Guess what? It doesn't make any difference to you. The world can shake or the world can be at rest, but it doesn't bother you. Look at what he says. Look at verse, let's start at verse 16. And we know, we've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. Look, you gotta believe. It's not enough just to say God has love for you. You gotta believe the love. So we come to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Doesn't say God has a lot of love, does it? God has lots of love. No, God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. So look at verse 17. In this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For as he is, so are we in this world. And we talk about that verse a lot. But it's got to be the love's got to be perfected in you so that you can live like him. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. Perfect love, the love that God has for you, the love he's put in you by the Holy Spirit will drive out love. When you start understanding his love, love will drive out fear. And he, he, says, he says it'll cast it out. Why does he cast it out? Because it's a spirit. I'm not saying if someone's got, if you're, if you're fearful of something that you're demon possessed or anything, but that thing's a spirit and you can drive it out with the love of God. Get your hands off me because God loves me. You with me? So God is love. So listen, who's the Holy Spirit? Is he God? Okay, so the Holy Spirit's God and God is love. What's the Holy Spirit? Oh, he's love, isn't he? He's, you've got the spirit of power and you've got the spirit of love in you. There's nothing the enemy can do to keep you from that love. Let's take a second. Let's look at it. Romans chapter 8, verse 33. And you know this scripture. What can separate us from the love of God? It's one of my favorites. Let's just look at it real quick. Romans chapter 8, verse 33. And he starts with this question. Who can bring an accusation against us? Well, we, we know there is somebody who does that. What's his name? Okay. He can, he'll bring it, but who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Because God's the one who justifies. Who's the one that condemns? Well, there is somebody who condemns, but he doesn't get very far. And that's his point here. Jesus is the one who died, but even more, he's been raised. He's at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. And then he asks this question, who can separate us? Come on, church. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Who can separate us from his love? Can, and then he starts asking these questions. What about affliction? What about, what about um, what's the next one? Anguish, persecution, famine, nakedness. Oh, there's Adam. He keeps popping up in here. I didn't even realize all this. He's naked. Look, even if you're naked, God still loves you. We'll get you and we'll get you some clothes. Or danger or sword. And he says, as it's written, because of you were being put to death all day long, we're counted as sheep to be slaughtered. But then he answers that with a resounding no. No, that's not the case. In all these things, we're more than conquerors. We're more than victorious. And look at verse 38. I'm persuaded 
Anybody persuaded in this place this morning? Not even death or life. Look, it doesn't matter if you die. If you die, you still live. Death, death has been swallowed up in victory. I want to tell you this morning, Carol is not dead. She's alive. I want to tell you this morning, even if you die, you win. Okay? So not even death or life, not even angels or rulers, things present, things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from his love and his love drives out fear. Get a hold of that this morning. Get a hold of his love. Mm. One more, Ephesians chapter three. See, people can't make you, make you fear. The enemy can't make you fear. You gotta choose it. So Paul says this in Ephesians, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in the inner, inner man and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. And now listen to this. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in what? In love. How many of you, you got to understand, you are established in love, may be able to comprehend with everybody here, all the saints, what is the breadth and width and height and depth of what? And to know, sorry, and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here he is again. He wants you to know something you can't know. Right? What does he say? I want, I want you to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something you can't know? Because you don't know it up here, you know it in here. You, you can understand something in your spirit that your mind can't comprehend. He wants you to understand the love that God has for you. And this morning, we want you to understand that the love of God in you will cast out all fear. You might be walking through something today, understand his love, walk in his love. And when you got his love in you, it's going to flow out of you too. So you can't be walking in his love and be cursing other people now. If you're walking in his love, then you're walking in his love. And his love is coming out of you. And even when people irritate you, and even when you're driving down the highway, you don't, you don't treat people the way the rest of the world treats them because you got love coming out of you. Okay? It's a driving, driving challenge today. Go back to that verse, 2 Timothy 1.7. He's not given us a spirit of fear. He could have stopped at love too, couldn't he? He's not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. He could have stopped at power, but he went to love. He could have stopped at love, but he goes one step further, and he says a sound mind or sound judgment. And here's what this literally means. It means acting out God's will by doing what he calls sound reasoning. In other words, what happens when fear comes on somebody? Fear starts trying to control them, manipulate them, tell them how to live. But when you are walking in the love of God, when you understand the power of God that's at work in you, your mind and your, your body, your spirit, all of it, all of you together is not in, uh, affected by this fear, but you're affected by the love of God. You're walking in what he calls sound reasoning. And I'm not talking about reasoning up here. I'm talking about reasoning in here. You're walking in what God's called you to do because you're not affected by the things going on around you. Look, if you're not affected when the world's shaking, you're going to live indifferent, aren't you? We met people in Puerto Rico. Well, we didn't, didn't meet them because they didn't come to church. Um, but I met people that were afraid and stuff. But they, the pastor came up and said, look, a lot of people 
are at home because they're afraid. A lot of people aren't coming to church because they're afraid. They're, they're, so they're, they're, fear is controlling them. It's telling them what to do. Well, we met a lot of people living in tents. A lot of people lived, lived in tents on the side of the road in different places. And, and we were talking to them. And, it, and, and some of them said, well, I've lost houses and stuff. And other people said, no, I didn't lose anything. I'm just afraid to go home. So fear was controlling what they do. I'm not, I'm not condemning, but I'm saying we can't let fear control us, church, because if fear will tell us that, fear will tell us when, when, when things look bad, when, when our health looks like the doctor, hey, the doctor gives us a bad report, when, when um, our finances start, when things start shaking in our family, fear will tell us the same thing. You better do this. You better do that. No, I don't, I don't want to live by what fear says. I want to live by what the word of God says. You with me this morning? Your mind will try to reason things out for you. It'll try to work a problem based on a pattern, the pattern of this world. But we don't live by the pattern of this world. Listen, fear sets limits to your thinking. Fear will limit you. But there's a different, see, I'm talking about reasoning out things by your spirit, what God's told you to do by faith, and understanding what God has spoken to you and how to live by faith. When fear tells you to sit down, faith tells you to stand up. You know, it's always the opposite. When fear tells you it's over, faith faith tells you you're just getting started. When fear says it's impossible, faith says all things are possible. You've got a different set of facts, but you've got to train your mind and train your, your, your spirit and everything to understand what God has said. I want you to look at this scripture here, and I'm getting ready to close. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, and you know this scripture, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Easier said than done. Don't worry. Well, it's easy to worry, but it's hard to stay in faith. You got to fight the good fight of faith. How do I fight the good fight of faith? Here he tells you, don't worry in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. As you do that, what does he say? The peace of God which surpasses every thought. Listen, the peace of God goes beyond what you can understand with your mind. The peace of God will keep your hearts, guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So the peace of God is gonna guard your heart. The peace of God is gonna guard your spirit. It's gonna guard your mind. So when the enemy tries to bring fear against you, no, 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 you're walking in peace. How can I walk in peace? Because it seems like the world is, is coming apart around me. No, I can walk in peace because I've got that peace of God guarding me, protecting me. It's guarding my heart and mind. And so here's what he says. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and there's any praise, dwell on these things. Think about these things that are pure, holy, just, all this stuff. Because what happens with fear? Fear tries to come in and say, you better start worrying about this, doesn't it? Worry, anxiety, and fear are all connected together. And so worry will come in. Fear will come in and say, you, I don't know what you're going to do, man. It looks bad. Stuff looks bad. You start worrying about it. You start pacing the floor. You start wearing holes in the carpet because you're worried and you don't know what to do. But no, you don't do that. Here's what he says to do. Instead, think about things that are pure. Think about things that are lovely. Think about, think about what God's done for you. Amen. Amen. Dwell on these things. Do what you've learned and received and seen in me, it says in verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. 
God brings peace, the enemy brings fear. But don't let your mind get caught up in it. So you gotta learn how to do some things. You gotta learn how to stand in faith, believing God. You gotta learn how to believe God when it seems impossible. You gotta learn how to, to not get into fear because God didn't give you fear, he gave you power. And he gave you love, and he gave you sound mind. I wanna teach you one thing. I want you, would you stand up with me? We're gonna get ready to close, and I wanna share this with you as we close. Look at Psalm Go to Psalm chapter 91, if you have that in your Bible, because I didn't give them the whole thing up there. Psalm 91. This is what Jesus was trying to teach Jairus. Listen, you can get in fear. You can let yourself get in fear. I shared this with our team as we landed in Puerto Rico, and I said, look, because they immediately when we landed, they said, you guys, it's going to be, you're going to experience um, earthquakes probably a lot. You're going to be places working with children. Uh, You'll be in the middle of working with them and the earth will start shaking. And if you guys get afraid and start screaming and start getting in fear, they're going to, you're going to freak the kids out because they're already freaked out. And I I took our team aside and I said, now look, and I shared this Psalm 91 with them. And I know a lot of you guys were praying and we were just believing that as we went places, we weren't going to experience the shaking. And we went places, didn't we? We went places and they said, they, we had people run up to us and say, are you guys okay? Are you guys, are you guys all right? Everything's shaking around us. We were, we were working with children in an area where if things were shaking, we would have felt it. They came running and said, are you guys okay? Everything's been shaking. We didn't feel it. Not one time did we feel a shaking. I think one person, one, one part of our team said they felt a little something one time. Nobody else felt anything, did you? The whole time we were there, nobody felt anything. The ground was shaking around us many times. We didn't feel it. And I wanted to share this with you because sometimes it seems like the world is coming apart around you, but you don't have to fear if you know what to do. So Jesus was teaching Jairus how to get faith in his mouth. Don't be afraid, only believe. You gotta get the word of God in your mouth. So here's what Psalm 91 says. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. Look at verse two, I think you got that one. I will say, to the Lord or of the Lord. You are my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Did you catch that? If you, if you believe the Lord is your refuge, it doesn't just say, I will believe the Lord is my refuge. It says, I will say to the Lord, you're my refuge. This is the key right here to Psalm 91. What you say in your mouth is what you believe in your heart. You get faith in your mouth in spite of fear, when things come against you and say, aren't you afraid? I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge. Hey, it looks like it looks like you're gonna not have enough. You're not gonna have enough finances. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The doctor says it doesn't look good for you. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Hey, it looks like it looks like your family's falling apart. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge. I'm not gonna live by what I see, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Are you with me this morning? So, amen. Thank you, Lord. So look at this. Look at verse three. He will deliver you. Look, God's gonna deliver you from the hunter's nets and from the destructive plague. He'll cover you with his feathers. You'll take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness is your shield. You will not fear. You 
will not fear the terror of night. Look, you don't fear the things the world fears. You don't, when the world gets upset and gets full of anxiety and worry and fear, you don't get it. Why? Because I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge. So I don't have to fear. Thank you, Lord. And he goes on. He says, I won't be afraid. I'm not going to fear the plague that stalks in darkness or the pestilence that ravages at noon. I'll tell you what, the world is terrified right now of this thing called the coronavirus. There's, there's, I don't know how many thousands or something have died in China and it's coming here. And I want to, that's what they say. But look, just because it comes here doesn't mean it's coming here. Just because it comes on this world doesn't mean it's coming on you. Just, you don't have to be afraid of what the world is afraid of. They're afraid of every, they're afraid of the flu. You don't have to be afraid of the flu because you don't have to fear the things the world fears. So I won't fear the plagues, the pestilence. He says this, though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. Can you imagine seeing thousands at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it not coming near you? That seems, that seems pretty bold to make a statement like that. Could you imagine standing up in front of somebody and saying, no, listen, this, this sickness, might, it might come on everybody else in the city, but it's not coming on me or my house. People would laugh at you and say, you're crazy. But that's what the Word of God says. Faith is crazy. It seems crazy to the world to say, look, it can come on you and not on me. What's so special about you? I'll tell you what's special about me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. That's pretty special. There's nothing. He, amen. Let me, let me close this up. He says, verse, verse 9. Oh, verse 8. You will only see it with your eyes, the wickedness, the, sorry, and witness the punishment of the wicked. But verse 9, you have made the Lord my refuge, the most high your dwelling place. No harm will come near you. No plague will come near your tent. He'll give his angels charge over you, concerning you, to protect you in all your ways. They'll support you with their hands so you won't strike your foot against them. you got angels watching out for you. That's good news, amen? Verse 13, you'll tread on the lion and on the cobra. You'll trample the young lion and the serpent. Because he's lovingly devoted to me, I'll deliver him. This is the Lord speaking. I'll protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll rescue him and give him honor. I'll satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Did you catch that this morning? catch it read over it if you maybe you're here this morning and you've had some kind of fear in you i want to tell you don't be afraid only believe i want to tell you get this get that psalm 91 in you get that second timothy 1 7 in you you've not been given a spirit of fear you've been given a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind this morning amen why don't you bow your heads we're going to pray and sing and worship the lord for just a moment this morning before we leave lord we thank you we thank you that we don't have to be afraid of, of anything in this world because you are victorious over the world. Lord, the world is afraid of a lot of things, but I thank you that you've given us victory over all of them, over everything the enemy can throw against us. Lord, I thank you that we are not walking in fear, but we're walking in faith because, Lord, you have assignments for each person in this place this morning, and the enemy is going to try to come and bring fear and tell them they can't do it. But, Lord, I thank you that we're not people who live by what we see, but people who live by faith. And we believe what your word has spoken over us. And we declare it over each person in this place today. I say that you're free from fear in the name of Jesus today. Because God's not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power this morning. He's given you.
you a spirit of love. He's given you a sound mind today. So walk in what he's given you in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing together. Lord, I thank you for the, the spirit of power, the Holy Spirit that gives us power and love and a sound mind. And we declare that over each person this morning in this place. Lord God, I thank you for the call that you have upon our lives. I thank you for the purpose of, and plans that you have for each one of us. And we thank you, Lord, that we are going to walk in what you've called us to do by faith, believing that your word is true. So we speak that today in the name of Jesus. If you receive it, say amen. 